unbelievable, yet as wild as it seems, the Emperor and Stan Lee will coach the two opposing teams. Keep it clean, no bats, no yachts, guns, or interference. Comic book characters will go head up with raw lyrics. Now I take whoever might be on break from doing tours and have them sign up for the last Emperor secret war. Sure, for that kind of capacity, we need a crazy margarina that might stretch from West Philadelphia to East Medina. If I'm able, I'd put it on pay-per-view through my label and give free tickets to my neighborhood bums with no cable. Yeah, that sounds bad. Now that we've squared away the propositions, let's begin with the ultimate tough man competition. Set it off, it's the fight of the century. KRS and Professor X will battle each other mentally with rhymes. These two team captains waste no time. Welcome back to the Comic Book History 101 podcast. Uh, Brandon and Old Man Wade are back. And it's been a while since we've been on here to talk about these comic books and stuff. But um, it's good to be back. What's up, Old Man Wade? Nothing, man. This is like the perfect time to really get into it too. With um, and we've been dying to talk. We've been dying to do this episode since like the very first issue. Actually, no, before that, when you told um, when you found out that they were Hickman was doing a run, you were like, "Yo, we got to do this like as soon as possible." Oh yeah, anything Jonathan Hickman, I'm all the way in all the time. That is my favorite writer in the comic book uh, genre, and um, he definitely didn't disappoint. Definitely didn't disappoint. So if you can't tell by now, um, this episode is going to be centered around the, basically it's like uh, X-Men Rebirth, essentially. Um, Jonathan Hickman, they basically stopped all the X-Books after, um, um, what was the X-Men book we were reading? Uncanny X-Men by uh, Matt Burke. Yeah, Uncanny X-Men. And Jonathan Hickman basically was given carte blanche to reboot the X-Men uh, mythos, essentially. And um, he did it in two six, uh, six-part six miniseries, uh, Powers of Ten and House of X. And um, I can't wait to talk about it. So before uh, we get into the... And then after that, we're going to talk about um, some of the things that we're reading currently and just other stuff like that towards the end. But before we get into the details of these books and what actually happened and where it's going to go and all that... Um, what what do you think about it overall? Um, House so it's House of Ten and Powers of X. Or no, it, or first it? House of X and Powers of Ten. So, um, House of X was was it, it hit me on like an emotional level, and we'll get into that once we get to the final um, few issues of that. Uh, Powers was weird, but I also know that Hickman does this thing where it doesn't really make sense until the very last issue. So when Powers of Ten came out, I was like, okay. So I'm reading it. I'm keeping up with it. And I continued to keep my faith in what Hickman was doing. But I was kind of like, I'm not really not really feeling a lot of this. But then, like, the final issue hit, and I'm like, okay, yeah, dude, you told a, an immaculate story, man. This was beyond anything that I thought it was going to be. Yeah, like, I, I know my first time falling in love with Hickman was during his Fantastic Four run and the way he told the story about the Fantastic Four and basically shaped the entire Marvel Universe for that year for that time period because he went basically from Fantastic Four to Future Foundation to New Avengers and Avengers in the Secret Wars and it all you could tell that he had this plan all the way back from 2010 when he first got on the Fantastic Four run and so whenever you read Jonathan Hickman, you have to understand that he says things and he'll write things and he'll put things in his book that you may overlook or not think much about or just be like, oh, that's weird or that's random. 
those things always come back. They always come back. They always matter. They always mean something. And we saw some small examples of that in these two books. But going forward, I guarantee you a lot of stuff is in these books, in the dialogue. And more importantly, honestly, we'll get into this. A lot of the things in between the pages are going to mean a whole hell of a lot going forward. Um, yes. Because if you ever read these books, one of the things that he's done is that uh, in between the panels, he'll have information pages. And there'll just be little tidbits about different things in and around the X-Men universe. So, like, in the first issue, he talked about the list of – he actually listed the Omega-level mutants. And then – It's like a, a list of, like, who it is. Like, no more debate about who really is an Omega. Like, like all right, here it is. Here's your list. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts. Just kind of deal with it. Yeah. And, uh, and other times he would talk about, like, uh, these different levels of machinery and evolution of man and machine and, like, the different levels of that. Or he'll talk about uh, Krakoa and how the plants affect people and how they affect mutants and how which each one does which thing. And it's, like, these little tidbits. And then he did, like, Mr. Sinister. And it's, like, a little log on, like, how Sinister became sinister and the different things that he's done and it's just like these little things that he's just giving these details about you're going to realize that those things are really 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 important um and they bring so much context to what he was talking about but uh let's, yeah go ahead before because you brought the omega level um page and i actually brought it up um i think i figured it'd be why not like read it out you know what i mean yeah good so we got jamie braddock uh is um, Alias is the Monarch of um, Britain, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, reality Manipulation um, slash Quantum. Uh, Robert Drake, Iceman, uh, Temperature Manipulation, uh, which is one of those things where it's like, dude, like, when people go, oh, he does this stuff, I'm like, no, he's way more than, what, than like, just making ice. Uh, Joshua Foley, uh, Elixir. I, don't, I didn't know he was an Omega, but it makes sense. Uh, Gene Gray, David Haller, Legion. Uh, Magneto, uh, Kevin McTaggart. Uh, Mr. M, Mr. M, I don't even know who that is. Uh, Storm, I didn't know Storm was Omega. Um, Exodus, Kid Omega, uh, Quentin Choir. Uh, Franklin Richards, which I don't think a lot of people knew that he actually was a mutant. Uh, Gabriel Summers and Hope Summers. Yeah, and uh, he lists those people, and uh, I guarantee you, you're going to see something from all those people. He does. Jonathan Hickman doesn't do stuff for no reason. Um, yeah. So... The, for him to label who is and who isn't an Omega Love Mutant, at least that's known at this point, um, there's a reason why he's doing that. And uh, I'm super excited. But um, basically, uh, before be, while we get started, I'll just give a brief overview of what this is. So essentially, the book uh, House of X starts and takes place in present day. And you see like these plants growing across the country. And then you kind of find out that uh, the X-Men have created or have joined with this living island called Krakoa, and it gives them access to um, all types of like natural organic technology in this way to heal people, but it also allows them to traverse the world and like go through portals and get in and out of places really quickly. And you see like this Professor X character who's like who's walking around. It doesn't look anything like Professor X. And you start to see, like, what the hell is going on here? And come to find out, it's essentially the, the gist of this is that the mutants have created this land, Krakoa, 
that is their land. And it's not like Genosha. It's, it's an island that people cannot access. The people do not know where it's at. They can't fuck with it. They can't fuck it up. And they are creating basically like their own nation state. And they want to be a part of the United Nations. And they also are have these miracle drugs that can basically cure cancer and all types of different things that people are going to. And they're basically like, if you want these drugs, um, you got to agree to our terms and become, let us become a nation state. And so it's basically establishing Krakoa as a mutant homeland for all mutants. And then Powers of X basically takes place uh, in year one of the X-Men, year 10, I mean, year 100 of the X-Men and year 1000 of the X-Men of mutants. And it's essentially um, telling the story of Maura McTaggart, who we find out is a mutant, and her mutant ability is that she can come back to life. And originally she thought it was unlimited times, but we come to find out that they think it's 11 times. It could be more. Well, the funny thing about that is I don't know if it's just her mutant power would only be 11 times, but I think Destiny foresaw that like after like the 10th time, that's it. Well, she said maybe. So we don't even know for sure, but she thinks that after the 10th time, that's it. And so you're going through this book, and it's taking place in three different time periods, and it's essentially telling the story of like how the X-Men came to be and then what happens to mutants in the future and more... Moore's mission after the first or second time is to figure out how to keep mutants alive because, um, and I'll just say this now, but because it's obviously spoilers, but what you basically come to find out is that mutants always lose. Uh, they always lose. They always end up getting extinct or erased or wiped out. And so over and over again, she, she comes to find out that when she dies, she retains all the information from her previous life, even though nobody else knows. So she can come and use the information to help change things. And so she tries to, at one point, she joins Apocalypse and says, oh, he's the right thing to do. And one time she joins Magneto. And then she, eventually she finds out this like, hey, man, we always lose. So this is what we're going to do this time. And then that goes into what we find out in the last couple episode issues of the book. Um, but let's start with House of X. Um, we don't necessarily have to go in particular order, but I guess it makes sense to start from the beginning. So, what did you think? What What were you thinking when you were first reading it? Were you confused seeing the island of Krakoa, seeing Professor X walking around, seeing Magneto and Professor X just being buddy buddy? Like, what was your initial thoughts when you were reading it? My initial thought was cool, and it's about time. Like, we love the um, the uh, rivalry between the X-Men and Magneto, but we all know at the end of the day, they kind of all want the same thing. They're just going about it in different ways. This The, the very first book just it snatched me right in. And one moment in particular was when Magneto was talking to the uh, heads of the of the each particular nation. And he and like and um, Esma was like, oh, this is what this person wants, this is what this person wants. She goes, they try to use psychic blocks, but they're pitiful and it was cool and, and like, and I love the fact that like Magneto re- like remains this intimidating person, but he's a lot more. Um, he held back all of his like anger, even when he found out that someone had a gun on him. So I was like, okay, like you know what I mean. And then he said, and then he said this, and then like he goes, um, I actually have it up right now. Uh, you see, I know how you humans love your symbolism almost as much as you love your religion, and I wanted you, I needed you to understand, you have new gods now. <laughs> it was like okay, yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. 
And I was like, I was like, and I honestly thought, and it's about damn time. Uh, but but uh, the confusion part about it was when the uh, issue starts, and it's kind of a, it's um, something that happens, I think, in House of um, Powers of X. I think it's like issue like five when um, you see like someone who look who appears to be Cyclops falling, like a few other people falling out of these pods. And it looks like Xavier standing over and it looks like you're assuming it's Xavier standing over him. And he's like, um, to me, my X-Men, I'm like, is Xavier evil again? And I was like, and then, <laughs> you know what I mean? Then like it goes back five months and you see them picking these flowers and it's like, they're all over the world. And even on like in space. And then you find out why they're in space. You find out why they're in the blue air. Uh, they find out why they're in Mars. And it's, and every it's like it's like what is going on? What is, like I don't get this. And then when you see exactly what happens at the end of the series, you're like, oh, like but like you said, there are were no wasted moments in this series at all. Okay, we had to take a quick break, but we are back. Uh, oh man, wait, you were talking about uh, House of X, and uh, go ahead and pick back up where you were talking about. So yeah, so um, Xavier being evil, and then it gets into like then you find all like these uh younger mutants. Jean Grey's bringing in, who's now going back as Marvel Girl, which is weird. Um, but I guess, but Marvel Woman sounds weird, so I guess Marvel Girl is just a thing, which I'm pretty sure Hickman will explain in um, in the X Men run that he's doing, which at issue one was good. But um, one of the things I loved was there was like a lot of really happy moments, and we don't get a lot of that from the X Men. And there was this little green girl who um, who goes, "Look, the professor's over there with a hairy guy." And then Gene goes, uh, yes, why don't you go introduce yourself? The hairy guy's name is Logan. And, like, Logan's, like, playing with, like, the kids, and he's, like, smiling. And it's like, Logan doesn't do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if he's smiling, that means he's probably drunk. But he just looks <laughs> – like, he looks – for, like, the first time in a while, he looks content. He looks happy. Like, and this is – and we all know that this isn't going to last long. Like, mutant happiness doesn't last forever, like black people. Um, so, like, this was – it was cool, and as I'm, and that was we can get to that later. But I also see a lot of similarities between uh, the people who look like us and the mutants and what they were trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, House of X was basically setting up that whole um, notion that we talked about, House of X number one, and it basically it ends with um, like what like what you said, Magneto saying like, "Listen, man." Um, Y'all serve these religions and these fake gods, but we're your new we're your new guys to like these leaders who were like taking a tour um of um who was taking a tour of the um Krakoa. But the other thing that happened in this was that they sent uh Mystique and uh Sabretooth and a couple other people on a mission and um they ain't listen. Sabretooth didn't listen, and he ended up getting arrested. And they let him go, but that will, that comes up to be that comes into play uh, a lot more later in these issues about what's happening with Sabretooth and what that means in the larger aspect. Um, uh, before know, we move on, but you bring up that part when he meets the when Sabretooth and the Fantastic Four. There was a I brought the I, I'm actually on this page right now. I thought it should be uh, something to be she said something that should be said. Sue Storm's um, the Fantastic Four are there. Sue Storm has this like worried look on her face, and she says, "Cyclops, this amnesty, the other things Xavier are doing is doing. What are you all thinking?" And then Cyclops, flat out like a G, goes, "My family has been <laughs> my family has spent our entire lives being hunted and hated. The world has told me that I see that I was less than when I was more. 
did you honestly think that we were going to sit around and take it forever? And then she goes, then she kind of goes, well, no, but, um, and then so Cyclops cuts her off. It's really very simple, Susan. We believe in, it, in what Xavier is doing. Please greet your son for me. Tell him when he's ready. He has family on call waiting for him. <laughs> I, I love it. It's so good, man. It's so good, man. Um, so then we go into Powers of Ten. And like I said, it's basically the story of Maura McTaggart's story. And so after one of the first few pages where you see like Professor X walking around year one, you get this scene with Professor X and Maura. And they're talking, they're talking. Um, and she calls him Charles. And she says, like, it's not a dream if it's real. And Charles says, I'm sorry, do we know one another? And Maura says, oh, yes, we go back quite a ways. And he says, who are you? And she goes, why don't you read my mind, Charles, and see? And Charles reads his mind, and he has this look on his face. And so in in this version of Charles Xavier, this is the first time that they've met. But we find out that later that Maura has already been through this before. So this wasn't her first life um, at that point. And so you kind of find out. Sorry, sorry, I had to move the microphone. Um you kind of find out what's going on a little bit in this, in the sense that you have, you go to year 100, you go to year 10, they're kind of in this war, and then you go to year 100, and it's like very few mutants left. And then you have like these evolved sentinels and nimrods just fucking everything up. Um, and there's like few mutants left, and there's like this one mutant woman who kind of looks like Nightcrawler, who you don't know too much about. And then you later find out that what happened was they were end up doing test trials on mutants, Sinister did, where he would take mutants, different mutants, and like mix their genes together to create like certain mutants in the future, which is just like, all right, so so we're going there, and that's the is the mutant um, the mutant breeding program, and so it's like okay, so we're going into breeding mutants, so where is this going to head to? And it heads to something really crazy, which we're going to get into a little bit later, that I actually think is pretty fucking cool. But you see these Nimrods, and the Nimrod, for people who don't know, is just like a super evolved mutant. I mean, a super evolved Sentinel that can, I like... Mean, about it is, like the mutant of Sentinels, which is actually kind of ironic in itself. Yeah, and Nimrods are fucking crazy. Um, and so you kind of go and you kind of see in the future that Logan is still around somehow. Um in this time period. And, but there's very few mutants left. Um, and so like, they even have a, they even have a, a middle page that says like, um, in CR space, there's 7,942 mutants, uh, in the CR home world, there's 1000 mutants and, or asteroid K there's eight mutants and that's it. That's what's left in the world. So at this point in this life, so there's very few mutants left. And then, you go a thousand years in the future and you see that there's literally like no mutants left, at least as far as you can see at this point. And then you have like these people who kind of look like they're mixed with beings. And so you kind of find out that like, essentially what you end up finding out is that it's not human beings that end mutants. It's machines. It's machines that ends everything. And it's this fight to how do you stop the machines from taking over? Um, so I know you said powers of X was confusing, but, um, when you first read it, did you, were you on board after the first issue or did it take a little bit of a while for you to get going with that one? Nah, you know, what's funny about that is, it's like, I was on board just because it was, it was Hickman and issue one was, it wasn't, it was weird, but I was like, okay, I can get through it. 
And so I was like, but you know what? I'll give it another shot. And, and especially considering uh, House of X was so good. I was like, I don't want to like, I didn't want to like miss anything. You know what I mean? Especially since they were both being connected in um, some way. So I gave it a shot. And then the next issue itself was amazing. Like just the whole thing with um, uh, like actually finding out what they were trying to do and Xavier Magneto like finally make agreeing on something and the conversation with Cyclops and it, like everything about it was just it was it was well written. It was well it was a well told story. Yeah. And so then we roll into House of X2 and it's, and that's when you find out that uh, Mora is a mutant. Yes. And so you kind of see her first life. Her first life, she just lived her life normal. She didn't meet Professor X. She didn't do anything. She just lived her life, uh, died, and then she was reborn. And in her womb, she's like remembering all this stuff. And as a child, she's like got the mind of an adult. So she kind of knows all this shit already. And so that's when you find out, like, okay, she's a mutant. And so then you see her her second life, and she kind of like, this is the first, this is like the X-Men story that we know, where she like meets uh, meets Xavier, and they kind of fall in love a little bit, and she does a bunch of research to like try to uh, fix mutants, and she finds a cure for mutants, and then that ends up being used against her. And so then um, this is where she meets Destiny, <laughs> at the end of her life <laughs> and for those who don't know destiny is like a mutant who has precog right so she can basically tell the future or at least tell certain futures uh to a certain extent and so and that comes into play later because um when we get into what professor x and what they're actually doing at Krakoa, one of their rules is no precogs um but uh destiny's basically like listen to me my mutant name is destiny and i have the power to see the future which is tricky with someone like you since your mutant power is reincarnation. Um, and so they go on, Mystique's there, and they go on to talk for a while. And Destiny basically like, um, listen, um, yeah, dog, you don't have all the lies that you think you got. Uh, and as far as I can tell, we think I think you got 11, maybe 10, maybe 11. And so she's just like, all right. So then her next life, she goes and she doesn't make the cure and that doesn't work. And then she goes and she joins Apocalypse and that doesn't work. And the Sentinels still take over. And then she goes and one time she goes and she thinks, okay, I'm going to kill Trask. So if I kill Trask, they'll never make Sentinels. And she kills, she goes back and she kills Trask in the whole Trash bloodline. And that shit didn't work. Sentinels still came in and made and killed all mutants. And it says, in Mora's eight life, she left behind the dream of Charles Xavier and embraced the necessary evil of the master of magnetism. Mora found Magneto's, filled Magneto's mind with stories of future holocaust, another war loss, and other people destroyed. Magneto raged and fell to the combined might of Earth's humans, heroes, and the mutants, betrayed by his own kind, fools who believed in the greater human good. And with, uh, with what she feared was little time left, little lives left, more embraced the idea of evolutionary dominance, survival of the fittest. Some thought him of the monster, some called him evil, but more apocalypse. But to Mora, apocalypse was simply the only solution she had not tried. And if humans wanted a war, if their machines did, then they would give him one without an end. And then, and then they lost again. And so <laughs> every time you find out that the humans lost, lose. And so then they show this really cool graphic of the many lives of Mora. Um, Mora. And so you see, like, 
her life one when it ended, life two, life three, when her mutant thing happened, like, and then it says, like, when does she goes to America, when she meets Professor Xavier, when certain things happen, but they all in the same way. They all end with mutants dead. And it's just like, God damn it, man, the mutants can't get a dub. The mutants cannot get a dub. You know, one of the important thing about that was that I thought was um, actually interesting is uh, they showed certain things that like seemed to be inevitable, like um, the war between the X-Men and the Avengers, um, Magneto being Magneto. Uh, like, you know, Apocalypse will always be who he is, you know what I mean? So I, I thought it was kind of cool that they still mentioned that certain things were going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I said like some things are just like you know inevitable, but that graphic, the uh, many lives of Moira X, was was like damn cool. Yeah, and so then you you get the meeting where it seems like the year the life that we're in now, and it's when Moira and Professor X roll up on Magneto, and Magneto's all being all Magneto, and Charles is like, "Listen, <laughs> you need to trust me. Take your helmet off. I need to show you something." And so this is after Morris lived all these lives and told Charles what's happened. And so he Magneto takes his helmet off and Charles shows him all these images of what happens in all these different timelines. And and Magneto's like, Oh, that's real? And she's like, Yep, that's real. And she's like, That's why we need to come together and we need to do it differently this time. And um <laughs> Magneto's like, listen. Charles, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go and do your bullshit uh, thing this time. If we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this the right way. And Charles was like, he was like, he was basically like, I won't acquiesce to sympathy or doubt, Charles. I won't give an inch. I will check you at every moment of weakness, and if you falter, know that I will not. And Charles was like, I would expect nothing less. And that's how you know, like, okay, this is gonna be a little bit different. Like this, this is gonna be different. And so. You then see that, like, Gene, like, we already saw that Gene's alive and Cyclops is alive. And you start to wonder, like, okay, um, how are these people alive? And they don't really tell you this yet, but you, you start to understand that something is, something is going on. Um, that's a little bit different. And, you also, in this issue, we find out... So, this is what I was going to ask you. What did you think about them introducing the different types of society? So, like, there's a, there's a page where they talk about um, the types of societies, galactic scale of interstellar societies based on measurements of species intellects, intellects. So, basically, they talk about the house, the most intellectual and uh, advanced societies or beings in the universe. And so, you have, like, machine... A single machine mind that is the direct copy of an existing Sydney mind. Then you have a hive mind, which is a collection of individual machines. And then you have an intelligence. An intelligence is a thinking machine created to be an amalgam of at least 100 machines acting in harmony towards one collective goal. Um, and then they said there's a technarch, an artificial collective intelligence that was created to classify order and assimilate other existing societies. Then there's a world mind. A world mind is a celestial object that has been wholly converted into a singular intellect. These intellects possess a godlike intelligence and act on a timeline of millennium. And then there's a phalanx. A phalanx is an interstellar society that operates on a galactic scale and represents an inter- intellect that has total control of a host galaxy. At this level of society, an intellect exists only to expand its own intelligence by consuming lesser societies. 
and to control the energy that needs the expansion demands. So when they started introducing this in year 1000, uh, were you confused? Because I know I was the first couple issues. Oh, I was. <laughs> I absolutely was. It's like I, but uh, but again, this is a testament to the genius that is um, Jonathan Hickman. Because and I and I've said this a couple times, and I'll say it again. It all makes sense in the end. Mm-hmm. Like everything makes sense. Everything that happened that was kind of like, did we really need this? Was this necessary? Like it, in the end of it, you're like, oh, all of that was necessary. So while it did seem like a bunch of like. Uh, gobbledygook it was important and it also was it was interesting to watching him the way he built a world and something Javi brought up that will it'll come up later on um but uh the idea of creating these worlds and creating these beings and using beings that the x-men have faced faced or have been in the marvel universe um to kind of further this this world and this um uh yeah i guess this world was was fantastic yeah, and so then you got House of X3, and this is when the story starts to turn. In the beginning of this issue, basically Cyclops, um, Gene, uh, Archangel, and a few other people, Logan, they go on this mission to space to like destroy this mother mode. And so then they cut back to Earth, and this is when they bring, uh, we talked about this earlier, when Sabretooth is like on trial, and Sabretooth is being a dick. And then Emma Frost walks in, and uh, she's basically like, we only use our mutant names in public, so I have to insist you call me White Queen, which is great. (laughs) And she comes in with the uh, Cuckoo Sisters, and um, she basically tells them that, like, um, listen, uh, Sabretooth is going to come back with us. And she's like, "Um, what's going to happen is you're going to surrender Mr. Creed to me. And you're going to give him to me because in anticipation of Krakoa becoming a sovereign nation, all Krakoans on United States soil, natural born or otherwise, now enjoy the privilege of diplomatic immunity, a recent gift from your State Department. And the lady's like, uh, that's just not going to happen. And she's like, uh, yeah, it's going to happen. And somebody's like, he's a killer. And still, she's like, listen, uh, yeah, he's a monster, but... Uh, he, mutants aren't going to be judged in human court from this day going forward. And I said, oh, shit, they are really going there. Like, they are really going with the whole idea that mutants are going to do their own shit, which is, like you talked about with, like, an analogy to uh, marginalized people in, in real life, that's that's always one of the things that you hear, people like certain people on uh, the more left side of things are always like, uh, yeah, dog, like, we need our own shit. We need our own schools, we need our own housing places, we need our own shit, and we're not going to be living in this white supremacy world. And the mutants are basically like, yeah, dog, we have Krakoa. Uh, he's a Krakoa citizen. You can't charge him here. He don't belong to y'all. You're handing him back. Do something about it. And they were just <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> okay. And so then you... Yeah, go ahead. The of um, Emma Frost going, say something. Yeah, basically, basically, she's just like, try me, just try me. And so then you t- you hear about Project Achilles, which is like, they have this like big thing near the sun, and they have like this giant master mode. And basically, the reason why they're sent here is because Mora finds out that this is like the start to the Nimrods and all the other things being developed. Um, and so basically, um, 
they Jonathan Hickman, like I kept talking about in these middle pages, he gives the progression from Sentinel to Nibra, and he says there's a Sentinel, non-sentient, mutant-hunting robots based on non-replicating adaptive technology. Then there's a master mode, a replicating adaptive Sentinel factory that is self-aware and capable of creating Sentinels. So basically, it's like a big-ass Sentinel that can create Sentinels. We saw a master mode in X-Men Animated Series, if you remember that. And then there's a mother mode. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) A replicating adaptive Sentinel factory that is self-aware capable of creating master modes. While the master mode is incapable of improving beyond its ultimate Sentinel state, it's theorized that given enough time, a mother mode is capable of producing purely adaptable machines based on nano-Sentinel technology. So basically, a mother mode can create master modes and it can create adaptive master modes, uh, which is scary as fuck. And so then there's Omega Sentinel, a human infected with nano-Sentinel technology and progressively transformed from human to machine. And then there's a Nimrod, a pure nano-Sentinel construct, anti-mutant adapter, self-aware, self-replicating, virtually indestructible. That's what they're trying to prevent. They're trying to prevent these Nimrods from being created because the Nimrods end up being one of the main things that wipe out mutants. Um, so they send this team to the sun and they have like this cool ass fight uh, where Cyclops gets in and uh, Nightcrawler teleports and does a whole bunch of shit. And this was the scene I think uh, me and uh, Old Man Wade talked about in text message when um, when Logan died, like when Logan has to sacrifice himself. Um, that was ass man. Yeah. So basically, <sighs> the oh, that's the next issue. But basically, was we can just jump to this. So basically. He, they find out that like they blow up the plane and everything's going to shits. And so Logan's like, "Listen, everything's going to shits. We're going to get out of here either way. And so we're going to die either way. So if we're going to die either way. We're going to die ending this shit. And so he basically has Nightcrawler teleport him to like the surface, like outside into space." Because he's the only one who can survive that. But they're so close to the sun. So as soon as Nightcrawler poofs into the atmosphere, he gets disintegrated uh, because he gets burned from the heat of the sun. And Logan, like, fights through and, like, destroys his master mode and just everything dies. It's, like, fucking incredible. Um, Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, So then uh, you go back to Powers of X. And you find out that, yeah, there's only like in the year 1000, there's five mutants left. <laughs> there's Apocalypse. Of course. There's, there's uh, Logan. There's uh, Death. Uh, or Zorn. He's a mutant. There's uh, North, um, who's Dane Frost. And then there's uh, Famine. And these are mutants that we don't know too much about. So there's a few more mutants. Then there's uh, Silo Bell, Rasputin. Cardinal, Percival, and then there's Mother. And that's it. That's all that's left at this point. And that's when you see Nimrod. And Nimrod is like this super smart machine that's like calculating everything. And you're like, dog, this is not good. Like, this is not good. And you end up seeing Apocalypse fight Nimrod, and he loses. And that's when you know that, like, yeah, dog, these Nimrods aren't the fuck with because Apocalypse is the thing that's stronger than everyone. And you find out that one of the mutants there is Mora. <clears throat> and this is a very important part of this uh, these series. And so um, 
Logan says, Apocalypse knew we might be on a clock, so he created some kind of way to force feed the information you need into your mind. So she has like kind of this adaptive thing, and Logan puts his crystal inside of her, and so she's able to retain all his information from this. And she says, what now? She said, And Logan says, if we succeed, the old man said to send you on your way because there's nothing left to save here. I'm sorry. And then she, he stabs her through the heart just so she can die, and that ended Moore's ninth life. And so at that point, she thinks she only has 10. So she's like, I'm going into my 10th life after that shit. That shit was tough to read. Yeah. Um, and I, we're going through this one by way because I have it pulled up now. But that's because I just wanted to talk about specific stuff. So I didn't miss anything that was important. Um, but this was episode issue four of House of X is where, um, where the thing happened with the sacrifice. But... What you need to understand here is that they this is where you find out like how much shit has happened to mutants. So they show you that in Genosha, 16.5 million mutants died. Uh because of Wanda, one million mutants were depowered. Um and then they have a list of humans who committed major mutant crimes. Steve Lang. Project Armageddon, 29 mutants killed. Mr. Clean, Church of Humanity, 126 mutants. Great and Creed, Friends of Humanity, 147 mutants. Carmen Hodge, The Right, 178 mutants dead. The Leaper Queen, 221 mutants dead. Donald Pierce, The Reavers, 348 mutants dead. William Stryker's Purifiers, 414 mutants dead. Wanda and the uh, Maximoff, when she said no more mutants, 986 mutants dead. And then Bolivar Trask and the Sentinel have killed over 16 and a half mutants. 16 and a half million mutants. And so, uh, pre-Genosha, there were 17 million mutants. Uh, Pre-Decimation, there were 986,000 mutants. And post-Decimation, there were 198 mutants left on Earth. So, that shit just shows you, like, this shit's pretty fucking bad. And so... Uh, you basically, we've talked about what happened. And so this is where everything changes, right? So after they destroy the the mother mold, they come back to Earth. And um, you find out that Professor oh, X... Oh, go ahead. The, the, um, the team didn't come back to Earth. The story comes back to yeah, Earth. Yeah, the story comes back to Earth. And actually, that's in House of X4. I mean five, so I guess we'll get into that in a second. Uh, since we're since we're actually doing it linear instead of just talking, uh, but we're gonna keep talking. Uh, but at this point, uh, it's a this is a this is an emotional story at this point, and it turns from an emotional story to uh, this is a different X Men story. From like this point going on, it's like this is a different X Men story. Because then you go to Powers of X and you see Magneto. This is the life that we talked about after Charles and Magneto hook up, and they go see Sinister. And Sinister's acting mad weird, too. Did you notice that? <laughs> Yo, I don't know what they did to him, but I'm all for um, flamboyant Sinister. It was like, hilarious. That dude was... He, he was extra on a level that we have never seen. Sinister was acting so crazy. And then they're basically like, yeah, dog, you're a mutant. And he's like, no, I'm not. And then he ends up getting stabbed by the real Sinister. And Sinister's like... <laughs> Psst, it's me, the sister with the mutant gene. <laughs> Yo, what, you know, the part that got me was he goes, I, I love that cape. Why don't I wear a cape? And then <laughs> he goes, 
his one of his minions goes, I thought you'd always look good in the cave. Well, why don't you say something? Uh, kill him. I'm like, damn. <laughs> yes. And so then they show when Professor X finally found Krakoa and he brought Cypher there. Because uh, Cypher's mutant ability is that he can decipher pretty much any language. And so because Krakoa is a living being, it is, it's a living organism to an extent, he can, uh, it can communicate. So Cypher is able to basically translate Krakoa's language into something that can be understood by humans or at least by mutants. And that he starts teaching that language to mutants. Uh, which becomes important later on. And then you go to A Thousand Years in the Future and you find that one of those societies that we talk about, the Phalanx, they come to Earth. And the Phalanx basically come to Earth and are basically like, um, is your society worth us observing? And this is one like human machine mixture just basically like, listen to me, probe my mind. And it does. And he's basically like, okay, I'm going to absorb you. But... Basically, when they absorb your society, they just after they do that, they have no more use for you. It's a wrap, and so you get you get left on this note of like, okay, um, is that the end of society? And then you find out in the later issues. And so this is the issue I want to spend the most time talking about: House of X number five. And this is where you find out that what they're really doing here is that they figured out a way to recreate mutants. And so... Dog. (laughs) It was wild. First of all, they have... um, They have um, my boy um, Gold Balls, Fabio, (laughs) who is just like this mutant who had like these gold balls that he can create. And this is what Jonathan Hickman does. He takes somebody that just is like this throwaway character and he makes him... So important. And so basically it said uh, Fabio Medina had a seemingly benign power, uh, a benign and pointless power. He could make golden balls appear. Until recently, the only thing we knew about them was that they were composed of biological matter, that there was no upper limit to how many of these balls Fabio could generate. Then we discovered they were eggs, which when combined with the touch of Proteus, who, by the way, Proteus is ridiculously powerful, and also uh, a problem. With, with combined with the touch of Proteus, a little warp of reality, those eggs become viable. And after injecting them with the preserved DNA of a mutant, Elixir, the life giver, would kickstart the process of cellular replication. After that, all of our mutant embryo needed was time to mature. Time, the slave of Eva Bell. We've learned, well, yeah. That that whole like spiel of like that, and then like basically like the slave of hers. I'm like. Dog, it was like it's even though it's a pretty common word, like everyone probably knows what it means, but just actually the way they put the words together to make that sentence as like powerful as it was should should just be pointed out. Yes, we've learned creating life is delicate, almost impossible work. The truth is that their own, uh, on their own, these mutants would be incapable of the intricate dance necessary to pull off these Promethean feats. But hope is a great unfiltered, um. A unifier. Her powers enabled theirs to to operate at both their peak and in unison. Separate, yes, they are great mutants, but only significant, not transcendent. Together, however, together these five mutants have made us whole. And so basically you see like Cyclops and Jean 
and so a few other mutants come out of these golden eggs, born fully like adults. And Professor X says to me, my X-Men. And I said, oh, shit, they are recreating life. And so basically you find out that Professor X had Cerebro adjusted so that he could make copies. Uh, they could store the essence of human, uh, all the mutants in the world's DNA in their life. And that it's updated like every six months or something like that or when anybody dies or something major happens in their life. And so it's basically like a file system where he can go back to any point in any of the mutant's life and he can download that DNA essentially into these these things that they're creating and recreate that mutant. So like if Cyclops were to turn bad at 37, if he died at 45, they could recreate Cyclops at age 32 before he turns bad and have him go from that age going forward. So um, what do you think about the idea of they are able to basically control the circle of life. Um, I part of me feels like this was just a shot at everyone who gets mad at the the res, like combo characters being resurrected because now it's like ah we have a reason <laughs> you know what I mean. So I thought it was, but I thought it was cool. I thought every I thought the um the idea of it was it's not the idea of it that was cool. The first thing that popped in my head when I saw this was. Oh, when one of them die, it's gonna be bad because you know what's coming, and it's probably gonna be gold balls. Because it's like there's no way that the five was it's five of them. There's no way the five of them stay together forever. There's no way that this uh, union is going to be something that the the world is gonna be okay with. You know what I mean? So this is, I think, is one of the dominoes. One of the things that's gonna start the uh, domino effect of the world coming at coming at um, the X Men because when they find out, like you know, like oh wait. We saw Cyclops die. How was he here now? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then um, they have Magneto and Professor X talking. And he's basically like, Magneto's like, I should be happy watching this. I should be weeping with joy. But, and Xavier says, I know. And he says, over the years, man has killed millions of us. And so many remain lost. But this is the good work, Eric. And it must continue until Genosha's is spoken of, not as a grave, but as a crucible. So essentially, their guy, their idea is that we're going to rebuild this entire mutant population for however long it takes us to do this. And so, every yeah, go ahead. Uh, when Nightcrawler said about um, be fruitful and multiply. Yep, yep, be fruitful and multiply. And so, um, essentially, you find out that like they actually says initially the resurrection capabilities on Krakoa topped out at around 1,000 mutants a week, or around 200 a day. The current estimated mutant population on Earth is around 100,000 and growing. The depowered population of mutants on Earth is just under 1 million, and the deceased population of mutants on Earth is over 16 million. At the rate of resurrection, it would take around 300 years to bring back everyone who died. Um, However, as the resurrection machine has become more unified, um, it's estimated that the capabilities could possibly reach around 30,000 a week, and full genocidal resurrection be achieved in 10 years. Um, so, yeah. So then they start talking about the resurrection protocol and going into the details of how that whole stuff works. And then they float out the idea that they have not tried it yet, but it is possible that they can put different mutants' essence in other mutants' bodies or mixed powers or mixed things. And I think they've already done it. And we don't know. What do you think about that? Absolutely. There's yeah. no way that... 
because you know how Mag- you know how excuse me, not even Magneto, you know how Xavier is. He's always that dude who's just kind of like, hey, I'm going to do some shit even though I know I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people are going to like, I'm trying to imagine how Monet St. Croix is going to feel if someone, uh, unbeknownst to her, took her, her DNA and then decided to make a super mutant. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's going to feel, like, violated by that. I, I think almost any of the mutants would feel violated if they found out this was going on. So I absolutely believe something like that's happening. And then there's also the fact that in this time period, we have never seen Professor X's face. Yes. We don't know who's under that helmet or what version of Xavier or if that's even exi- – there's a theory that that's more, but it's not – I don't think it's more because at one point we see them talking to more. But we don't know exactly what's up with this Xavier. Um, I think it's yeah, go I think it was astonishing X Men when we find out that uh, he's in. Um, I guess he's inhabiting Phantom X's body. Oh yeah, yep, that was astonishing X Men. Yep. So I'm assuming that my assumption would be that that's still, that's Phantom X's body. But who knows? Like what version? Like how much of the world has been like recreated due to? Um, the uh, Moira, like, kind of, like, mucks him with the time stream. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then um, then Apocalypse shows up. Because basically Professor X says, all mutants are welcome here. Evil, good, whatever. This is a home for all mutants. You're all welcome. Apocalypse shows up. People are like, what the fuck? Apocalypse rolls up and was basically like, yeah, dog. Uh, y'all finally did what I've been trying to tell y'all this whole time. I couldn't be more <laughs> proud. And I'm like... Apocalypse and Professor X shaking hands. This shit yeah. is fucking crazy. Yeah. And I love like Wolverine still being himself, like in Apocalypse's face, like that gonna be a problem? <laughs> yeah. Apocalypse <laughs> is like, nah, dog, like this is what I've been wanting the whole time. Y'all are better. And so y'all need to be better. And I love that like Krakoa opens them with like, like, like welcomes them with open arms, like with like a, a flock of like doves. You know what I mean? And I was like, that was kind of cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like he, he um, acknowledges that they had a relationship beforehand and he was just kind of like, yep, here it is. This is what's going on. So, you know. And so then we start to, this is where we start to world build. So then this is where uh, Hickman is setting the stage because then he's telling us know that they're going to have a council of Krakoa. And this so, is um, this yeah. House of X6. This is Powers of X5. Oh, Powers of X5. Oh, I'm sorry. House of X6 is my, is my favorite uh, so I'm just kind of like waiting to get to get into like yes. that is that's the one I really want to get into. But yeah, so uh, powers of X six. It's powers of X five. So five, then five. then you find out that we're going to have a council of Krakoa. And at this point, all you know is that there's Magneto, there's Professor X, there's uh, Sebastian Shaw and Emma Frost, and then there's Krakoa and uh, Cipher. And, and Mystique said, I believe in one of the. Previous issues, uh, she said that she wanted. No, no, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, sorry, my bad. And so then, then they go talk to Namor, <laughs> <laughs> and Namor is such a dick. And so, Namor, yeah, go because Namor, <laughs> Namor pretty much was like, "Come at me, correct, or don't come at me at all." Yeah, essentially, yeah, essentially, he's just like, uh, "It's good that you finally figured this out, but let me ask you." Do I strike you as someone who's just now realized how much better I am than everyone else? <laughs> That's such a Namor thing, man. He is such a dick. I cannot wait till they do him on the movies. They better do him right too, man. But like, I want like, and I want like the arrogant, like 
Namor, who basically just like, who are you to even speak to me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then you find out that um, there's even bigger societies than the Phalanx. There's a Titan, there's a Stronghold, and there's a Dominion. And this is where you see the Phalanx basically starting to take over. And so then we go to House of X6. So go ahead and talk about House of X6. Oh. So House of X6, this is where we finally get the full council. We get everybody who's actually, like, everyone who's going to sit in this, uh, uh, I guess, like, not, not really court system, but, like, their government, the heads of their state. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and you would know better than I would. Uh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get into that, we got to read this from the beginning. We got to read the beginning part before we get into oh. that part. So <laughs> this was my favorite part of all of these books. Really? Oh, this is my favorite part. So basically... They're ready to announce to the world what the fuck's going on. And so Xavier puts on this, this souped-up Cerebro, and he oh, basically yeah. can reach every human on the planet. And this is what he says. This is so good. Oh, my God. This is so good. Before I didn't mean to cut you off, but I had to break this up. He says, humans of planet Earth, I'm the mutant Charles Xavier, and I bring you a message of hope. In the coming days, you will learn of, a, of several far-reaching pharmaceutical breakthroughs that have been discovered by mutant scientists. These drugs extend human life, heal diseases of the mind, and prevent or cure most common uh, maladies. Influenza, Alzheimer's, ALS, many cancers, gone overnight. These drugs will make life on this planet better, remarkably so. All this we have made for you. In the past, they would have been a gift, something freely given by me to you, because I believed it would would create harmony between our two people. That was my dream, harmony. But you have taught me a harsh lesson. That dream was a lie. You see, all I ever wanted was peace between humans and mutants. All I ever wanted was to love you and for you to love us. We wanted to save you, and we did many times. But in return, all you did was stand by while evil men killed our children. And then they show a picture of the Avengers, which is so good. Over 16 million of them. So there will be no gift, for you have not earned it. We will, however, let you pay for it. In return for two things, we will provide you with the means to have a better life. One, without pain or suffering and full of hope, and it will cost you so little. First, you must accept the island of Krakoa as a nation state of all mutants on this planet. We will happily go through the same processes in any newly formed nation with the UN, but there is an expectation that our sovereignty will be recognized. Second, all mutants by birth can claim Krakoan citizenship, and with that citizenship, we expect a period of amnesty so that those who have been singled out as criminals or punished and imprisoned by humans can overcome man's bias against mutants. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. From this day forward, mutants will be judged by mutant law, not man's. There are, these are our simple demands, and they're not negotiable. In return for making our lives better, we will do the same for you. And if you find yourselves asking, who are these mutants to think they can dictate terms to us? We are the future. We are evolutionary inevitability, the Earth's true inheritors. You closed your eyes last night, believing the world would be yours forever. That was your dream, and like mine, it was a lie. That's so great. Here's the new truth. While you slept, the world changed. God, that's so good. I read that about five fucking times. Before I even got to the next part of the book, I stopped and went back and read it again. Yes. And I was just like, like, yeah, God. (laughs) <laughs> like, what do you say to that? It's so every, good. 
because everything he said was right. The X-Men have saved the planet, the universe, the galaxy over and over and over again. But yet and still, they're spit on, treated like shit. And he's like, nah. That all, all, all the goodness you could have been getting if you just, you know, acted right, nah. Now you're going to have to pay for it. Oh, God. That is that is so good. I want to get that speech, like, written down on some cool little thing and framed and put up on my wall. That's so It's just yeah, It's just but- great. Um, so yeah, now then they go ahead and show you the. Do you know? Do you know offhand who was on the council? Or do you want me to tell everybody? Uh, I got. The, I actually got the uh, page open right okay, now. Okay, yeah. So go ahead and talk about that. So we have uh, Exodus, Sinister. Uh, so Exodus, Sinister, Emma Frost, uh, Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler, Jean Grey, Storm, Sebastian Shaw, Mystique, Apocalypse, um, Magneto, Xavier, Cipher, and I guess Krakoa. Yep, in Krakoa, yep. That's interesting. But you know what's funny about it? It makes it makes absolute sense, though. Because you want people in... Oh, and we should also point out that Emma wants a... Wanted um two spots beside her own. Oh, yeah, we she has the Red King. Yeah, we don't know who the Red King is yet. Um, she hasn't, like, announced it yet. But what made this... What made this council perfect... It was so yeah, 3, 5, 8, 11. 11 plus 2. So you have um, 13 people here with 13 different um, ways of looking at life. So now you're not, you don't have a bunch of like yes men or yes women who are just kind of like, oh, we'll just go with Xavier. They're going to argue. They're going to fight. But at, at the end of the day, they'll come towards some type of like common ground because they all have the same – they all want the same thing. Well, except for Mystique, you know, because she's Mystique. Um, but, like, it, it's, it was smart to have this many different people having this many different personalities because, like, you're – you want – everybody wanting the same thing, but it's not going to – it's not going to be um, – it's going to be discussed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, can you imagine if we had a government of people who could, like, sit down and actually talk and actually have a resolution even though all the, um, their thoughts and opinions are different? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and this was this was this was great. This was this was one of the reasons why this was. This is one of the reasons why House of X was this issue. Of House of X was bar none like my favorite part about this. And so the first order of business: what to do with Sabretooth. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody who knows anybody who knows Sabretooth knows that this is long overdue. So. Uh, should I read out panel by panel or should I just basically talk about what happened? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Either one. Either one. So, yeah. So, basically, they came down. It was like, um, they, uh, oh, you know, I got to read this. So, um, uh, so, okay. So, Xavier goes, I cannot say that everyone here rep- best represents the ideals of what any society should be based on. But, be that as it may, it falls on us to establish the laws of this land. And then Sinister goes, is he talking about me? If he uh, if he is, I don't care. I won't be ignored. I have ideas. Nobody puts Sinister in the corner. Nobody. And then Exodus doesn't even look at him and goes, speak to me again and you will do so at your own peril. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then Sinister goes, okay, just a suggestion, but mutant on mutant violence, killing a mutant against the law. Throw this man, throw this man in mutant jail. An apocalypse. How can it be a crime to kill someone who cannot be killed? Will will any will anyone any of you know what to uh, know that you are fit and worthy if you are not tested? <laughs> In storm, you cannot be serious. <laughs> the look on her face, like like nigga, what? <laughs> so then, then Jean brings up a really good point. 
Oh, I'm sure he is. But we're but we're arguing about the highest of ideals, the goal of greatness and in, in, um in purpose. And if it under and if our undertaking is to have worth, then I think the opposite would be true. The highest crime would be killing someone who cannot come back. It would be a mutant killing a human. And when they come for us, which they will, Mystique says, we aren't going to do everything we can to defend ourselves. And I was like, Magneto's going to have something to say. And of course he does. That's the old argument. Is it murder if it's done in the defense of a nation and not what we're talking about? Uh, will we deal with that at some point? Yes, of course. But this is not that. Gene is right. Which is funny. It's like, oh, like he agrees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, so Xavier asks Apocalypse what he feels about it. And Apocalypse is such a fucking G, man. I won't belabor the point that means nothing to me, <laughs> as man himself does. <laughs> <laughs> And then so so Sabretooth gets all like Hasidity, eyes turn red, he's ready to attack. And I'm like, dog, you are completely outmatched in every conceivable level by everybody in that room. Um so so um Sabretooth gets all pissed and he, he goes um like he's about to attack, and then um Emma goes quiet and like with his brain and so Sabretooth fights it, and then Gene goes quiet, and he's like just drooling now. <laughs> So it was great. So they came down to it. And, they, you know, so they was like, they needed to make rules. And so <laughs> Mystique in her infinite wisdom. But before we are done, we have yet to hear from the righteous among us. Surely the mutant who has, a, has faith in one greater than you, Charles, has something um, foundational to share. Tell us, Kurt, where's your foolish providence in all this? Where's your God's wisdom? So the first family kind of sits there quiet. And God, he's such a horn dog. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. It's obvious, isn't it, Raven? We need to make more mutants. <laughs> Let's get fucking. So then they figure out what to do about Sabretooth. They've tried multiple times to kind of calm him down and tame him and all this other stuff. And nothing works. Like, you know what I mean? And again, they're trying their best not to kill people. But something has to be done about him. He has an example has to be set for him of him of like what happens when you break these certain rules. So uh, Krakoa grabs Sabretooth up on a bunch of roots and drags him to the center of himself, calling and he is officially exiled from Krakoa. To what is it they said? The problem, is, the problem, however, with sentencing you for your crimes is um, that we cannot send you back into the world. And as we tolerate no pr- um, prisons here on Kokoa, that leaves us with very few options, especially since capital solutions would bring you into the resurrection protocols. Instead, this will be your fate. Stasis deep inside Kokoa, alive but immobile, aware but unable to act on it. For how long? Forever, Creed. For that is how long mutant justice lasts. Perhaps one, perhaps... One day a time will come where you have the opportunity to redeem yourself, but that is not now, and until it is, you are exiled. And then they party. Yeah. And um, I like that at the end of it, they kind of have this thing where um, Xavier goes, I pray we never get used to it. I pray we never go cold from it. And you can kind of look at Storm kind of like walking away like she doesn't give a shit. Nightcrawler and Jean looking back like they just like, like, what did we just do? And then it goes, Emma goes, that we learn never to love it. And it's Emma Frost looking back like, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then I think what I would uh, imagine would be the greatest party known to man happens on Kokoa. 
And first, one of the first things you see is you get um, Archangel, Iceman, and Beast hanging out, which is nothing new. They're like the original, one of the original um, X-Men. And then you have Exodus being like, you know, around a bunch of kids. And it looks like he's like telling stories and using his powers to like, you know, entertain the kids. Uh, you got Wolverine uh, with his arms around Gene and Cyclops, you know, which, you know, the rivalry between Cyclops and Wolverine seems like which, it's over. Which the means came out after that. Oh, dog, I made one. <laughs> Did yeah. you see them list the? Did you see the listing of the quarters? The what? Where they live? Oh yeah, I, I saw. <laughs> yeah. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what a part of the new mutant rule is. Um, what did um, what did Kanye say? No love without no sin without forgiveness. <laughs> but something. A- but something dope happened. Wolverine sees uh, Gorgon, a man who's tried to kill him multiple times. A man Wolverine has killed. Like, they hate each other. But he's a mutant, and he belongs there. So Wolverine walks up to him and offers him a beer in solidarity. And they crack a beer together, and they drink. And I was like, you know what? That was really dope. That was that was deep on a level where it's like, you know what? Maybe this will work. But then you're like, I oh, know this isn't going to work forever. Same thing and, with um, Emma and Jean. Yep. Cyclops and... Um, Havoc had a bonding moment. Uh, Apocalypse, who didn't celebrate, he kind of just kind of like sat there. And just, I don't know that that image was weird. Yeah. To him. Like, was, mm-hmm. was he he depressed that it that like he didn't happen? Is he kind of like just kind of like what do I do now with like you know my existence not having meaning anymore? You know what I mean? So it was weird trying to figure out exactly what was going on there. And there and was the, one thing you didn't bring up that's very important. What's that? After listing the people who are on the council, they also said that um, the great captains, while the quiet council is the recognized ruling authority on Krakoa, when there's a state-related excursion or in times of conflict or war, the great captains of Krakoa assume the responsibility for defending the state. In the field, a captain has total control. Among the captains, the captain commander is considered first among equals. Cyclops. That makes sense, though, because mm-hmm. he's been leading the X Men for like forever, and I think I think even more so than anybody else on there. I think the uh, the mutants trust him more than they do anybody else on there. Cyclops, Gorgon, Bishop, and Magic, or the War Captains. And I said, okay. Cyclops, Gorgon, Bishop, and Magic. Mm-hmm. The four of them alone is a scary is a scary idea. Like, can you picture when Wolverine and Gorgon go to war together? Mm. Mm. like that's gonna be it's gonna happen and so one of my favorite parts so my favorite part of this book was the um, very end where Magneto and Xavier are just kind of standing over looking at everything and he and Magneto just says just look at what we've made and I was and it, and it was it was a really happy moment and every time I read these happy moments all I say to myself is <laughs> Uh, so this is going to end really bad. This is going to end really poorly. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was the end of, uh, my favorite, my favorite book. But then, um, number at Powers of, Powers of 10, issue six. Uh, yeah. So then you had the final issue of Powers of 10. And you go back to the scene that we saw multiple times before, Professor X and Mora meeting. And then you fast forward uh, to year 1000, and you see Logan still there. 
Of course. <laughs> and Logan tries to jump on this machine thing. The machine catches him. And then they basically show that, like, the world is ending, like, the next day. Because the failures are coming. They're going to take over everything. And uh, see, like, Morris, like, Logan, let him talk. Because Morris is still there, too, in this one. And so um, you basically see that says uh, mutants are an evolutionary reason to an environment. You are naturally occurring. The next step in human evolution. But what happens when humanity stops being beholden to its environment? When man controls the building blocks of biology and technology, evolution is no match for genetic engineering. What good was one mutant adapting to its environment when we could make 10 supermen? You thought it was the machines that would defeat you, but we just used them to buy time. Sentinels bought us years. Nimrods bought us decades. Isn't it more like I never saw it? And I guess you never will. After all, if you're capable of recognizing the real enemy you faced, how could you ever defeat them? Maybe this is just how it ends for you. And if you have no real alternative to offer, maybe this is my fate as well. Immortality, divinity, as I have no choice but to become a small part of God. And then Logan kills that motherfucker. Because he was like, y'all can't kill me, y'all can't kill me. And they were just setting his ass up. And Logan says, dear Lord, up in the robot heaven, tell me, was that fast enough for you? (laughs) <laughs> and then Morris says, "All this, yeah, man, <laughs> it's great." And then Morris says, "All this time, all this time, we waited to find out why, and now we know. So you're gonna do something about it?" Logan says. And she says, "Yes." And then she goes, "Send me on my way." And and Logan's like, "Close your eyes." And she says, "No, my eyes are open, and they're stay. They're going to stay that way. Just make it quick. Don't worry, darling. This is what I do." And that was the sixth life of Mora. And so you basically find out that you have Homo Superior, Homo Sapiens, and Homo Novissima, which is like post-humanity type things. And so then uh, you have Professor X getting all that shit on in, in Morris' seventh life. Hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. When you saw him screaming, did you um, read that in the um, 90s X-Men scream from Xavier? There? Ah! <laughs> no, but now I'm thinking about that. It's hilarious. <laughs> So then you read Morris' journal, and she has all these things about when she met Xavier and trying to convince them to do things and convince Apocalypse and convince Magneto. She also has something with Xavier that's redacted. Then I'm just like, uh, what happened there? Yeah. Um, so then you find out that so the whole time in the present, you haven't seen Mora. So you don't think she's there. And then you find out that there's a place called Morris No Space, and she's down there, and Magneto and Professor X show up. And um, she, they're telling her that, like, we have a government. Uh, we got the seats filled. Um, and then Emma's like, and she's like, Emma hasn't named the Red King. And Mora's like, she's up to something. And then Xavier's like, we're all up to something, Mora. But she understands the scale of all this. Her as much as any of the others. So she won't be a deterrent to our broader plans. And Mora says, who else was named? And she says, most of them, we assume, Apocalypse sits at the autumn table with Charles and me, Jean Greystorm and Nightcrawler said the summer. Spring is entirely composed of hellfire, but as we said, the White Queen loves a tight leash. Uh, we sat sinister there because we cannot do this without him, so having him closer is better than not. Exodus has an unyielding code, and we three know all too well the complication of unfortunate ideology brings. And Mystique would not agree to join without certain guarantees. And Morris said, what do you do? And Xavier says... We promise to bring destiny back. 
And Mora says, you cannot do that. And Zebra says, oh, we know. And she <laughs> says, there can be no precogs on Krakoa. We cannot, will not tolerate mutants who can see the future. And Xavier says, we know. And she says, no, 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 you don't understand. She has a way of seeing me. And I am a weakness because my death ends all of this. And Xavier says, we know. And she's like, do you? What happens if we bring her back? And she tells everyone what she sees. What if she tells everyone the truth? And Xavier says, more, we know. All we'll put, we'll put her off as long as we can. Tomorrow, tomorrow, not today, all the mutant leaders say. We put all of them off, but one day they deserve to know the truth, just like Charles and I did. You really want them to know that we always lose? The truth is that until now we have always lost, is what Xavier said. But this time is going to be different, for we are different. And that is all because of you. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. It would be great if, like, they ended up just kind of, like, just being their own nation and nothing ever happened. Like, if they stayed this way forever, I'm good with that. Like, you know what I mean? You have this revolving um, uh, cast of, like, heroes that you can use. Um, like, you kind of make it, like, you know, so, like, the any mutant villain is kind of like, we're, like, nah, we don't, like, you know, we're no, there's no need for us to fight anymore. And, like, kind of do something different. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we all expect this stuff to happen, but it would be cool if what we are expecting actually didn't happen. If this, the mutant nation of Krakoa stayed the way it was. If like the world came after them and and like the Avengers are like, no, we're not, we're not helping, helping you destroy our friends. Like, you know what I mean? They stay out of the fight. Like, you know what I mean? Cause I'm, I honestly think that, uh, Pan, like black Panther is probably all for everything they're doing right now. Cause he understands exactly what they've gone through and what they've been through. Mm-hmm. And I love the, um, end of it where, um, <clears throat> Magneto goes. I'm not ashamed of what I am. Let them try to cut, let them try to stop us this time. <laughs> and Xavier, <laughs> let them try. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait till somebody tries them. The first person who tries them cannot wait. All right. So yeah, that was House of X and Powers of X. Uh, we love that story. We cannot wait. X X Men number one's already came out. We'll talk about that probably yeah. next month. Um, but before yeah. we. <laughs> wait till all the um all the X titles come out because Marauders just came out last week this uh, last week as well. Yep, so. Marauders, there's New Mutants, there's X Force, I think, or yes. yeah, X Force, I think, or Excalibur. Uh, so there's a lot of mut- X books, and I'm probably buying all of them. I can't help it. I love the X Men. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to like, especially like Marauders is written by Jerry Duggan, who I absolutely love. So I'm, I'll be all over that. Um, <clears throat> so the X books we have: X Men, Marauders, Excalibur where um, Betsy Braddock is going to be the new Captain Britain. New Mutants, X-Force, Fallen Angels, which is the younger Cable, uh, Quanon, and X-23. Um, so those are, the new, those are the new books that you have to worry about. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six new um, X titles. Yep. So and I'm, go buy those. I'm probably not going to read New Mutants because I really don't care about anybody on their squad. You know what I mean? Like I just don't. I don't care. I think I'm going to read New Mutants because Hickman's writing it. Oh, he's writing that too. So if he's writing it, I know something big's going to happen in it. You know, plus they're rolling with the Star Jammers too, so that should be cool. Yep. Uh, So before we get out of here, uh, let's just talk about really quickly some of the current books that we're reading. Besides this, Uh, go ahead, old man. Wait, and you can just Uh, you don't have to go. We don't have to go Marvel, DC, independent. You can just talk about them all. 
Oh, word. So recently, actually, I'll go to my smart list on my comiXology. Um, I finally bought uh, Madrix's miniseries. I read it. I, had, I, had I the knew you time. were going to get that. I was like, is he going to talk about that? Uh, that's his guy. I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens about that, but I, I think I want to do a, like a character highlight on, on him or on a few. So I'm going to leave that to the side. Um, uh, I've been reading this month. The Incredible Hulk, uh, excuse me, The Immortal Hulk 25 was something else. <laughs> uh, Batman Superman has been incredible. This issue number three came out. That was great. Uh, Red Hood Outlaw continues to be one of my one of my uh, books that I look forward to because I'm a big Jason Todd fan. And if you're looking for something just fun to read, Punisher Kill Crew has been phenomenal. Four mm. issues, and it's really just – it's fun. It, it's, it's just a fun book. It's Punisher – in his war van that's powered by the uh, the black bifrost and he has thor's uh goat tooth nasher uh like i guess car- like uh dragging the van through all these other realms he has a a dark elf doing the navigation he saved foggy nelson from getting from dying so now he's part of the crew uh he ended up saving so they end up saving juggernaut so juggernaut's part of the crew they just uh and they just um, enlisted Black Knight, and the last issue probably coming out in a few weeks. But it's it's been super fucking fun, man. Like Punisher Kill Crew has been. It's right up the pages of um, uh, the War of the Realms. Punisher is uh, going to kill all kill all of the um, the uh, I guess uh, Asgardian and like nine realm beings that came in and ki- left a bunch of kids orphans. He had the kids draw a description of them. And he took the pictures, and he basically going on a killing spree and killing everybody who escaped that killed these um, who had a hand in killing these um, kids' parents and stuff like that. It's been incredibly entertaining. Like I, I, I suggest it, man. It's only five issues. Uh, it's written by oh Jerry Duggan. There you go. Makes sense. Jerry Duggan <laughs> writes really. He write Jerry Duggan writes really fun books, man. Like, but he also writes books that have a, a lot of depth to them. Uh, the one he did with Deadpool was good because it starts off with him getting everything he's ever wanted. And at the end, like there's a slow progression of him just losing everything in like, like, like it wasn't, um, you can only get as high as you, uh, as high as you fell. And the other way, it's, it's the other way around. <laughs> he fell really far and really fast. And it was, it's good. So I'm one of those guys, if you, if Jerry Duggan wrote it, send it my way, I'll read it. All right, definitely. Um, I'm moving, so I haven't been reading as much, and I need to catch up. Uh, and and probably when my wife's driving, I'm going to catch up on a lot of stuff on this trip to Texas. Um, but what I did catch up on was uh, Doomsday Clock. Um, it we're 11 out of 12 issues. It's been It was only supposed to be a year. It's been almost two and a half years. <laughs> but that shit is so good. Oh, it's so great. I cannot see what's happening. And issue 12 is when Superman and Dr. Manhattan finally face off. And I really want to know what's going to happen um, between that because Dr. Manhattan keeps saying, because he can see the future and he sees all times at the same time. And he always says, after I meet Superman, I can't see anything. So I don't know if he destroys me or if I destroy the universe. Um, and so you're trying to figure out like why why was Doctor Manhattan? Basically, you find out 
what it's basically reconstituting the DC universe and finally getting shit together after the new 52 and explaining what happened to the old characters and why Wally West was missing and why people can't remember the Justice Society of America and it's very cool how they use the Watchmen and how they use Dr. Manhattan for this. So, uh, issue 12 comes out in December, so I cannot wait for that. Um, I'm almost recalled up on Immortal Hawk. That's still the best book out to me right now. Um, it's just, it's just fantastic. It's just really, 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 really good. Um, my plan is to catch up on Captain America, Tanasi Coast's Captain America, uh, this week. Cause I heard that's really good. Um, yeah, Hobby raves about that one. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. I read the first four or five or six issues, uh, but I need to catch up. Uh, but I heard it was really, really well done. Um, like I said, the X books I'm going to be reading. I've been trying to read a little bit more DC, um, because I'm super Marvel heavy in my pull list. Um, so and I want to get some more independent books, uh, to read as well. Um, but I'm also I'm going to uh, reread The Boys because I just want to reread that. You're going to uh, laugh when I'm at myself. Yeah, did you see uh, the clip they put out for the TV show Season 2? Nah. So they put out a clip from Season 2, and it's basically like Homeland, there's a kid, and like they're going through a bunch of stuff with him, and they had this woman who's like pretending, she's like, and he, he's like, this is your mom, and then she's like, I can be your mom. And then he kills her. And then they come in and they're like, all right, he did to her just like he did to the other ones. Who's next? And it's just like this weird thing of like how fucked up Homelander is. And basically they're bringing on, um, what's his name? Um, it's going to be a woman. This And they're going to make him a woman. But what's it, what the fuck was the character? What was his name? God, it's oh. my Storm, um, uh, Stormbringer? What's, is that his name? Which one? The... Uh, God damn it. Not the Nazi dude. God, what was the guy's name from the fucking boys that they're bringing on to season two? Um, Is he one of the characters that we've already seen on the show? No, I mean the- no, no, no. He's from the, he's from the, oh. um. The comics? He's from the comics, yeah. Ah, fuck. What's his power? He's mad powerful. He's not as powerful as, God damn it. I feel so stupid right now. I know who it is. It's like right at the tip of my goddamn tongue. Hold on. I think I know what you're talking about. He wears like black and yellow. Black and yellow. Um, um, let me see. see. Black and yellow. And he's one of the... Is he part of the seven or is he one of the other teams? No, he's not part of the seven. Huh. Oh, yeah. Stormfront. Oh, the Nazi dude. Yeah, they're bringing on Stormfront, but it's going to be a woman. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, they're going to they're going to flip her gender, but uh, yeah, they're going to bring on Stormfront. So that should be interesting. <laughs> you know, the, the female is going to rip her fucking face off, and it's going to be great. So yeah, definitely going to reread the boys and probably just catch up on. I heard Justice League was really good. Um, Scott Snyder's Justice League is really good. Um, I did. I have caught up mostly on the Flash. That's been very exciting. Um, you get to learn about these different forces in the DC universe. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I'm reading. Um, but before we get out of here, Old Man Wade and I are going to try to do this more often. Get back to a schedule. 
Uh, our lives have been crazy in recent months, but uh, we really love doing this, so we're going to try to get back to the schedule. I proposed to him for October, the end of October, to do a villain, but it might we might not have time to do that, but I know he loves Norman Osborn, so I wanted to do that for him, the character that I know he loves. So I think we might be doing a Norman Osborn character spotlight type thing coming up soon. Um, and then next week, next month, we'll be back to more of our, our main shows. But we're going to continue to do histories of characters. We're going to talk about different runs, different things like that, and try to get back to doing two episodes a month uh, for everyone. Um, you got anything else, man, before we get out of here? Uh, don't forget to check out the um, the Old Man Wade show. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, basically, everywhere you, get a po- everywhere you get a podcast, you can find that. Um, my other comic book show, The Culture Comic Book News. Uh, basically, we talk a bunch of shit. Uh, it's all comic book related. Um, most recently, we did one about representation in comic books. So we broke down um, a bunch of races, um, creeds, and sexual orientations about like people. Like, if you want to find someone like a superhero that looks like you and acts like you, uh, that we gave you a good place to start. We did um, some on the LGBTQ community, uh, Muslim, Asian, Black. Uh, Jewish, which is not a lot of Jewish um, superheroes, which is um, kind of weird. But um, we broke it down and did a bunch of those. So I, that's actually a cool episode. Um, other than that, uh, peace and love and happiness. Yeah, and uh, make sure you subscribe to the Watch the Series podcast. I'm actually going to post this on the feed as a double feature just to uh, make sure more people hear this and get back to listening to the show. Uh, but thank you guys who are have been staying with us. Uh, I know we took an extended break, but we promise we're going to be more consistent with the show. And we'll be back next month uh, with more comic book history. Thank you for listening, and talk to you later. Peace. Peace.